Hello and welcome to Punch a Hole in the Wind, a look at some of the great thoroughbred racehorses who have graced our racetracks all around the world over the last century or so. I'm Ollie Hine, and it's great of you to join me on this exciting trip down memory lane. My aim is to both remind you of some of your heroes from years gone by, but also to introduce you to some others whom you may not be so familiar with. The horse we're looking at today was almost always said as part of a pair. Such was the rivalry between the two that seeped into wider consciousness. Yet, affirmed, achieved so much more than merely being part of a double act. Salt and Pepper, Tom and Jerry, Gin and Tonic, Affirmed and Alidar. Some things must, simply must, be said as part of a pair. These two rivals lit up the US racing scene in the late 70s and, like it or not, you found yourself inexorably drawn into one camp or the other. Affirmed, though, proved on the racecourse that he was the better horse, even if it wasn't by much. More tellingly, he wasn't just talented, but in possession of an indomitable will to win. Affirmed was Florida-born, bred and owned by financier Louis Wolfson and his wife Patrice. Hugely wealthy, Wolfson had still had brushes with the law, including imprisonment for securities violations, which were affirmed on appeal. Canny to the last, he never confirmed one way or the other if this had provided the origin of his slightly undersized chestnut colt's name. It certainly had no connection to either his sire exclusive native or damn won't tell you, neither of whom could be called blue-blooded. All connections agreed that Affirmed possessed not only an uncommon intelligence, but an almost mystical ability to connect with humans. Patrice Wolfson recalled, there was something about his personality that was different. He'd work his way through the other folds to come up to me, and all through his racing career he loved to put his head in my arms when we'd come by his stall. Even in his later years at Stud, his handler recounted how he had a distinct and profound personality and was very understanding. He was like a friend in that you really felt like you could relate to him. He matured early too. A mix-up during some early training gallops saw him run a stiff training run against a multiple winning older horse called Sparkling Native and beating him. It was only after they realised that it was the baby that they had been accidentally running that Hartz fluttered a bit as to his potential and Wolfson sent him to his retained trainer, Laz Barrera, in California. Soon enough, Affirmed won his first two-year-old race in May over five and a half furlongs from pillar to post by nearly five lengths at Belmont. There was some excitement, but already the jungle drums had picked up that there was an as-yet unraced juvenile at Calumet Farm who was burning up the gallops. His name was Alidar. The following month, in the youthful stakes at the same track, they met for the first time, and most certainly not the last. This time, Affirmed, ridden again by Angel Cordero Jr., came from behind, but the result was the same as his first race, an easy victory. Alidar, the 9-5 favourite, ran very green and finished fifth. In July, however, he turned the tables in the Great American Stakes, again at Belmont. Barrera next sent his colt to California, where he crushed his opposition by seven lengths in the Hollywood Juvenile Championship. Back out east at Saratoga, Barrera chose a new jockey to partner his colt, an equally exciting 17-year-old sensation called Steve Cawthon, already nicknamed the Kentucky Kid. It would be a partnership that clicked from the off, with the teenager as bowled over by the horse's human touch as others had been, 
My relationship with him was on his back, and when I was up there, I knew he knew me, Cawthon asserted later. He was a super intelligent horse, smart and willing. He trounced the field in Saratoga, returning there the following week to win the Grade 1 hopeful stakes, defeating Alidar by half a length. In the seven furlong futurity stakes at Belmont a fortnight later, in an incredible duel, Alidar got to within a nose, with a firm's bottomless courage against the bigger colt just winning the day. It was a great spectacle, yet it wouldn't even be the best race that the two would have at Belmont. They exchanged one more victory each, again at top level, to finish their gruelling juvenile season with a firmed 4-2 up and claiming the two-year-old of the year award as a consequence. Yet that season of 77 ended up being no more than an amuse-bouche for what would happen during their classic year. Wintering in California and growing a little, all affirmed got in return was rain, which left him behind in gallops and races. Barrera eventually found a warm-up before affirmed took in the Santa Anita Derby and the Hollywood Derby, winning both easily and by eight lengths at Santa Anita. The stage was set, therefore, for a triple crown like no other. At Churchill Downs, despite their head-to-head record, punters again sided with Alidar. Off a furious pace, Cawthon kept Affirmed handy, whilst Alidar was slow to start. With Affirmed two lengths clear throughout the home stretch, his rival came too late, and was still a length and a half behind by the post. Alidar got closer in the Preakness, but Affirmed dictated the pace from two furlongs in, helped by having Cawthon, one of the greatest ever judges of pace, sitting on his back. Alidar was only a neck behind at the death, after being closer to the pace. It was a fantastic race, yet paled when sat next to the Belmont. English trainer George Lambton once wrote that about the best thing in racing is when two good horses single themselves out from the rest of the field and have a long, drawn-out struggle. Although this race happened 33 years after Lambton's death, no one could describe it better. It would be as memorable as Secretariat's five years earlier, but for vastly different reasons. After a steady first half mile, the two horses locked horns thereafter for a full mile, piling on the speed and with no other colt within neighing distance. The home stretch seemed to go on forever, with, it seemed, each horse taking turns to literally inch ahead before the other, stung with pride, fought back. Despite being pinned hard against the rail, affirmed it was who, with Cawthon urging him on his left side for the very first time, stuck no more than his nose in front when they flash past the post. The familiar dichotomy of triumph for one and heartbreak for the other ensued. Cawthon, of course, was elated. I can't think of any moment that gave me any more thrill, he said. He also called it the greatest triple crown race of all time, and no one could immediately proffer an alternative. They met again, for a final time, in the Travers Stakes, where affirmed, with Laffitt Pinquet substituting for the injured Cawthon, cut up Alidar on the back stretch, meaning that, despite finishing first, he was disqualified, with Alidar earning something of a Pyrrhic victory. Final honours were therefore 7-3 in Affirm's favour. Alidar was truly outstanding. Affirmed was just that bit better. But Affirmed was far from finished. His next race, the Marlborough Cup, made history as two Triple Crown champions met for the first time. The great Seattle Slough came out on top, 
although it was as much a race that Angel Cordero won as affirmed lost. Riding the older horse, Cordero snuck three lengths at the start, and that was what separated them at the end. There was then frustration in the Jockey Club Gold Cup when the two champions met again only for a firm saddle to slip, with Cawthon working miracles simply not to fall. It was the only time he would finish out of the money. Despite the deflating finish to the year, he was a deserving winner of the champion three-year-old honours. It is arguable that Affirmed became an even better horse at four, although the start of the year was misleading. Coming placed in two grade twos at Santa Anita, Barrera blamed Cawthon's lack of confidence and handed the rides to Lafitte Pinquet. Cawthon soon moved to England to become one of the stars of the 1980s British turf, riding champion after champion, but was still adamant years later that Affirmed was his best ever ride. Affirmed, meanwhile, never lost again. Running almost exclusively in grade 1s, he won the Charles H. Strub Stakes by 10 lengths, before returning for the Santa Anita Handicap and breaking the 10 furlong track record. He gave away lumps of weight in the Californian Stakes and Hollywood Gold Cup, but still found a way to win, running the latter in a blistering 1 minute 58 and 2 fifth seconds. He finished in the Jockey Club Gold Cup, defeating his heir-apparent spectacular bid in the process, the last time that champion would ever taste defeat. Affirmed had nothing else to prove, and was syndicated to stud for a then record of $14.4 million, having become the first horse to win $2 million in prize money. Alidar, in the minds of many, has the dubious distinction of possibly being the best horse in the modern era who could not be given that slippery, nebulous, let inspirational title of champion. Perhaps only Reliance, fabulously unbeaten until conquered by Seabird in that unforgettable 1965 arc, can lay equal claim. A champion in any other year is a descriptor that is as frustrating a compliment as can be imagined. The only thing that had really defeated Alidar was the bad timing of his birth. His revenge, such as it was, lay in the breeding shed, where Alidar proved to be the more successful sire. Affirmed wasn't a failure. It was more that, like Seabird, Secretariat and other magnificent races before him, the unsaid expectation, desperation almost, was always that he would sire one as superb as himself. He started as a stallion at Spendthrift Farms, but was later transferred to Calumet Farm. There, in a neighbouring paddock, would stand an old foe. His name was Alidar and one can only speculate as to how these two would have interacted into their old age over the paddock fence. Affirmed then saw out his years at nearby Johnabel Farm, being humanely put down aged 26 when his laminitis became unbearable. It is testament to the embarrassment of riches that was 1970s US racing that, even after winning the Triple Crown, Wolfson wouldn't be drawn into discussions of Affirmed's greatness. I want to see him run at four before I call him great overall, he insisted. By the time Affirmed was retired in late 1979, no one needed any more convincing. To find out more about Affirmed and other greats from the past, check out my book, Punch a Hole in the Wind, out now and available online and in bookshops. Next time, we'll go to a different part of the world and share the exploits of another great horse from another era punch a hole in the wind. But until then, this is Ollie Hine signing off and saying thank you for listening.